I grew up in the church and loved my childhood and teenage years. But when I hit uni, I started asking some bigger questions. At about 20, I attended a conference that really opened my eyes to the depth and breadth of what it meant to be a person of faith. It was at that conference that I met Jules. She's like an older version of me, so now I always call her when I want to process things of faith, vocation, and boys. I kind of get her advice, but I'm pretty sure she learns a few things from me too. That's true. A few people commented on how they love to eavesdrop on our conversations. So like a true millennial, I decided to make a podcast, documenting my journey about what it means to be a woman of faith in the 21st century. I'm Grace Bucknell. And this is neither Mary nor Martha. So, welcome to the very first episode of Neither Mary Nor Martha. Oh, here we are. Here we finally are. It has been a long time coming, and there are a lot of people who have been along the journey with us as we've been trying to pull this podcast together. And it, yeah, there have been so, lots of people who help, which is lovely. Yes, it is great to have lots of people inputting in, and so it's great to finally be here. And in this first episode, we're basically going to just have a quick chat about who we are and why we're doing this, what we want this podcast to be and then we'll start to get into the good stuff a little bit as well great so who are you (laughs) Uh, i was gonna say tell me tell me what this podcast is going to be well we'll Um, start with introductions so why don't you why don't you kick us off okay well my name's julia hello julia (laughs) i was born at a very young age um i uh what am I going to say about myself? I um I have grown up semi in the church. Um, my parents started going to church actually when they had us, um, but then we were kind of in and out of church. We moved around quite a bit when I was a kid, um, and so I wouldn't, yeah, I wouldn't say that I fully grew up in the church, but mm-hmm. I definitely had experiences of the church as yeah. I was growing. We're up. a stranger to church. I wasn't a stranger to church. Definitely had a faith of my own as I was growing up. Um, and so I guess in in talking about this, like we're we're two women. Mm-hmm. Um, we are fifteen years apart. I'm fifteen years older than you. <laughs> That's um, weird. Fifteen years, I guess, further along the the Christian journey. Yeah. Um. And so, but we are two women. And so this podcast is kind of talking about what it means to be a person of faith, obviously from a female. Um, point of view. Yeah, a white middle class female, female point, point of view. Of view. <laughs> yeah. Which we're well aware of. We, so. are, we are very aware of. Um, and so my experience um, of being a white middle class woman of faith um, has included a bunch of things. So I guess I I fully came to faith and made that um, that ultimate decision of giving my life to Jesus when I was in my late teens. Mm-hmm. Um and then um and and was very involved in church had great positive experiences and really enjoyed all of the um the community and the involvement that came from that um i got married quite young um at 21 and by the time i was uh 25 about four and a half years later that marriage had actually fallen apart mm-hmm. um Multiple things went on there, as um, as is always the case. Um, it wasn't anything that I ever expected was going to happen, but my then husband actually ended up being unfaithful, and um, and th- it's 
a long story, but through yeah. all of that, I actually really felt like God told me, you know, this is this is your time to go. You're free to leave mm. this now. Um, and so I tell you that story because that was a major um, shift in my faith. Mm. So my understanding of Christianity or my theology, my understanding of God up till that point um, – it didn't have room for things as disastrous as that to no, happen. Yeah. Um, and so at that point, I turned to to look a little bit deeper and to go, okay, hang on a second. For me, my marriage has fallen apart. I've got friends who are um, going through infertility issues and some of those friends who still um, were never able to have children. Mm-hmm. I've got um, friends who have remained single and, and didn't want that to be their lives. So... I had to turn and start looking at different resources um, and finding um, a broader theology to be able to actually hold all of this stuff that was happening in my life and in um, and also in, in friends' lives. Mm. Um, and so, yeah, I guess I tell I tell you that now because um, that has been a very formational experience yeah. for me. So my understanding of the Christian faith has been very shaped and formed through that experience. Mm, that's amazing, and I think it's we. It's not until we're out of those those times that we can see we can look back and see how those things have formed us. Yeah, and I on in my case, I have grown up in the church from day dot. And have had an amazing experience in the church, and my family have been amazing in forming my understanding of, uh, I guess, my place in the church. And mm. I, it was never a question um, for me as to what, uh, as a woman, whether I had a place in the church. That was just that was never even anything that crossed my mind as I was growing up. Yeah. And I come from a family of a lot of really strong women, my mum and her two sisters and my grandmother, and they have all really shaped me and they all do amazing things um, with their lives and are real leaders. And um, so I think that was sort of the, that was the place that I came from. And then when I left home, I was exposed to all these other ways of thinking and other ways of doing Christian life and started to encounter, I guess, different views of being a, a woman of faith. Right. And was like, hang on, this this is not what I thought things were supposed to be. And I also, uh, when I left home, I also encountered uh, young women, uh, women younger than me, girls that I was leading in youth group, asking really big questions, realizing I didn't have the answers, going to try and find them for so that I could help. Yeah. And then just not finding anything of substance, I guess, yep. was my experience. Were you looking for things specifically for women, for young yes. women? Yeah, I was looking for women content. And it wasn't that they were, they were asking some women-specific things, but I guess I just wanted um, someone with the women lens yeah. um, to be able to teach about these big, really theological questions that were being asked. Yeah. And everywhere I looked... Um, there was sort of just this sort of fluffy candy floss, really sweet and gives you the warm fuzzies and is talking about 
being made in the image of God, which, I mean, we're going to touch on that. Yeah. That's a, that's a big thing. <laughs> being is. made in the image of God is a big thing. But the way that it was framed was just that you're beautiful. Yes. and uh, And valuable. All good things. Perfect things and all true. And but all, not moving on from that. No. And there was nothing There was nothing deeper than that. They weren't asking those questions. But that was all I could find answers to. Yeah. Um, and so that was one experience I had. I also had the experience of realizing that some people didn't think I had the place I thought I had. Right. In church. And that has been really confronting. And those, um, I guess, those tricky confronting verses about women just kind of being thrown at me, but not with any context, not in a way of like, let's sit down and chat about this. It was more in a, why aren't you obeying this? And so this is in regards to talk, to speaking. This is in in leading and speaking in church. Yeah. And I, yeah, I had an experience where I was. Uh, handed a note that had uh, the verses about uh, being quiet and not speaking in church. And that was right after I had spoken in church. And for me, that wasn't, I wasn't really shaken by that because I know the truth and I've been taught and I have a really good uh, foundation backing me. But I was um, alarmed in two ways. One, that, uh, that someone felt they could say that to a young woman yep. the first time they were ever speaking in church. Yep. And two, this fear that what if I was someone who didn't have yeah. uh, a strong foundation backing me? Mm. And that could really rattle me and stop me from ever speaking again. Yeah. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. And then I had this experience um, at the Venn Summer Conference where I realized that my view of theology and God and the world was so small and there was so much out there and this opened up this amazing journey for me yeah. where I um, I got to kind of relearn and sort of peel back all the layers and go into the foundations again of why why do I believe what I believe and what is it that I believe mm. and you've been a big part of that that journey as well yeah and so I guess this podcast is coming from both of our experiences. It's coming from me being 15 years behind you on the journey and wanting <laughs> to go, uh, where where am I going, basically? What can you teach me? What what were you doing at my age and, and my friends' ages? Um, and kind of wanting to address some of those things that have popped up along the way yeah. that we'll do in the future mm-hmm. episodes. But before we get into the good stuff, let's chat about the name, Neither Mary Nor Martha. Neither Mary Nor Martha. And we can't actually decide whether it should be Neither Mary Nor Martha or Neither Mary I'm Nor sure Martha. I'm sure there's some uh, grammar Nazis out there that can help us. They'll correct us. So feel free to... I wonder if there's the American English way and the British yeah, English way. Is. And it's probably neither, that... Neither, neither. Ni- no, I was going to say, it's probably that neither is wrong. Or neither, <laughs> neither is, is wrong. wrong. <laughs> Who knows? But uh, aside from that grammatical uh, debate, we uh, have named it Neither Mary Nor Martha... Because I'm looking forward to hearing your explanation of this. <laughs> yeah, good question. Basically, the the story of Mary and Martha, uh, where Jesus comes to their house, is one that is put forward as a kind of uh, which one are you model? Yeah, and I don't know about you, but sometimes I don't feel like I'm either. And either or either. <laughs> oh no, here we go. We're going to go down a rabbit hole here. Um, and I guess the name is sort of there to kind of broaden 
broaden our understanding of what it is to be a, a woman of faith. Yeah, that's good. There's room for all of us yep. here, not just if you th- recognise yourself as being a Mary or a Martha. And if you fully re- recognise yourself as Mary or Martha, that's, that's great. Okay. <laughs> you've yeah. got, you've got, you've got it all there. But as for you and me, yeah, we're kind of neither Mary nor Martha, exactly. right? Like, yeah. I mean, there's aspects. There'll be aspects, aspects in both of us, and at certain times of our lives, um, where those things show up. But also, there's there's Grace and there's Julia. <laughs> yeah, there is. And I think, I, I don't think that that story was intended for you to kind of pigeonhole yourself into one of those mm. roles. So I think we're also just wanting to kind of broaden that out. Give some room for maybe you've been feeling like you have to be one and. Now we're giving you permission <laughs> to to just put that down for a little bit and yep. explore what else there could be. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that the breadth of what else there could be is yeah. amazing. And that's kind of what you were referring to about your experience at the Venn Summer Conference. Like yeah. the, the Christian faith is not this narrow way of mm. living life. It's so broad. It's so deep. There's so much richness to it. And it's mm. actually really exciting. Yeah. And yeah. Um, I think, yeah, we miss that. We miss that sometimes. And so that's yep. kind of... Um, that's what we want to do. What yep. we're wanting to communicate. And yeah. we're not... Um, this isn't a teaching resource. This isn't us with the answers. This is a conversation. This is literally a conversation. <laughs> between... That we've had many times. Yeah. <laughs> and we now just want to record it. Yeah. <laughs> and Sounds it's good. it's kind of... We want to... Hopefully, our our hope for this is that it will kickstart a journey in the people who listen, Mm. that they will hear something that makes them go, okay, I want to know more. And we'll be giving resources and books and uh, tools to then go and dig deeper. Yeah. And we would love to hear your feedback on those things as well. Like, let us know if you are reading the books or if you have any thoughts or um, things. Ideas around what else we could be talking about. Stuff you want us to address. So, something I really want to know from you, Jules, is what is something you're glad you did in your early 20s? Because here I am in my early 20s wanting to be intentional about shaping a certain life and realising that there's so many things out there that are uh, kind of pulling pulling me in every direction. Yes. And I want to be more like Jesus. Um, right. But it's hard. So what what are you glad you did in your early 20s, 15 years down the track in reflection? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, <laughs> let me just start by saying I'm 15 years down the track. I'm, I'm definitely not claiming to be an expert on <laughs> any of this kind of stuff. I've yeah. just had some more years giving yeah. it a go. Um, but I think my answer to that question would be, um, in short... Spiritual disciplines. Yay! <laughs> Which sounds, the word disciplines um, makes it sound like not a fun time. But I'll just um, I'll just kind of build on that a little bit to explain what I mean. Yeah. There's a great book by James Smith called mm-hmm. We Are What We Love or You Are What You Love. Yeah. Um, and he basically talks about how um, you can believe and, and think and know what you believe and be learned in your mind, but that's not actually going to um, – it's not going to form the way that you live your life. Those things have kind of got to drop to your heart. Mm. And so we actually – we actually can teach our hearts what to love and what to long for. Um, and our hearts are taught what to long for or what it is that we want them to desire. They're taught through liturgies. Mm-hmm. And by liturgies, I mean um, repetitive habits or rituals. And 
what he points out in his book is that we are um, participating in liturgies every day um, on a subconscious level. So mm. our hearts are being shaped to love certain things just because of the cultural environment that we live in. Yeah. So as I travel down this the street um, and maybe um, travel here to meet you today, yeah. I am bombarded by images on bus stops and billboards and um, mm. I might have stopped at a supermarket on the way to pick up a couple of things and has seen all of the um, images that are in the magazine stands at mm. the supermarket. Even what you had on the radio um, on the way here. What I had on the radio on the way here. And so an example of, of what that might be is that as women, because we're talking from a woman's perspective today, yep. one of the things that we are shaped to desire um, from day dot, Mm -hmm. um, we're swimming in water that tells us that the good life is to look and appear to be sexy. Mm. Um, So the ultimate is to be desired by men. So the way that we look becomes a massive focus. Um, The way that we present ourselves, the way that we we talk and and the way our, our body mannerisms and our facial expressions and everything, we're kind of, we're formed to desire to be that woman. And that is through the repetitive nature of seeing those images and hearing those stories right throughout our life. And I think that's not always something we're aware no, we're doing, is it? It's not exactly. It is. It's the water that we swim in. Like yeah. it is. It is just. You, it's wallpaper. You don't. Because I when I when I hear you saying that, I don't. I I was thinking. Well, like that's not what my mind. I'm not thinking. I'm not actively thinking. No, it's definitely on a subconscious level. Then, yeah, yeah. But I guess that's why yeah. it's important to think about what it is that we love. Yeah, and to actually start to observe what the things are around us. What is it that our culture is telling us mm-hmm. um, is the ultimate, is the good life, um, and that's just one example. You know, yeah. um, pow- being being powerful, being successful. Um, being financially stable um, or financially affluent. Um, mm. All of these things are kind of things that we are told um, are, are the good the good life. This is what it looks like. This is what you should be longing for. And it teaches your heart to genuinely love and long for those things. And so what James Smith says in his book is that we need to be participating in counter-formational activities or counter-liturgies. Um, and those things are reading scripture, Attending church services, mm. participating in communion, um, prayer, uh, group worship, all of those sorts of things that are actually not, they're not a surprise. They no, are, yeah, we, they are in our lives already. They are. And they're the traditions that have been handed down from generation mm. to generation throughout the church for good reason. Yeah. Um, because they actually teach and form your heart to love and long for the kingdom of God. And mm. that's what you want to be teaching yourself. And so when I look back like I, I think I genuinely, my heart genuinely longs for the kingdom. Yeah. I um I I see everywhere places where redemption could be possible and mm. I lo- I, I my heart aches for those things. Mm. And I have wondered um how I got to that how I got to that place of my heart longing for those things and what it is that motivates me to do um things like this podcast or or um, different speaking engagements, or the way that I'm raising my children, yeah. or what I'm teaching my children, um, it's all coming from a place where I am longing for the kingdom of God. I'm longing for Jesus to be king over these mm. areas. Um, and I think, basically, I can take it back to repetitive 
liturgies or repetitive yeah. practices or spiritual disciplines, whatever it is you want to call them. That's shaped your heart that along have for those shaped things. my heart along the last, you know, well, years. Yeah. <laughs> um, to long for those things. That is what I love and it mm. motivates my every decision. Yeah. But in saying that, um, I'm aware that um, a lot of you, that could be quite narrow as well. And I think we need to broaden what our understanding is of spiritual disciplines yep. and also be okay with some of us not being as good with routine mm-hmm. and schedules and um, as as others. I'm definitely not a really routined person. I get I, I just cannot be consistent with reading scripture at the same time every day. Yeah. Um, even, yeah, reading scripture in the same way every day. Um, I, I've had to vary the way that I do those things. Yeah. So I very much consider my journaling a spiritual discipline. Same. <laughs> yeah. You're going to hear a lot about journaling in this podcast. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that's... We are journalists. I feel like I've... I was thinking about it the other day. I feel like I've been gifted journaling mm. because I find it, I've talked to so many people who are like, oh, yeah, I know. Because all I say, the first thing I say if someone's talking to me about something they're going through, I'll be like, have you journaled about it? And they're like, I knew you were going to say that. Because it's just, it's like second nature to me. So what is it though? How does that journaling, I mean, I have my ideas about this, but for you, how does yeah. your journaling connect you with God, what do you see the connection mm. is there, and how is that forming you and shaping you? So I think it does it in a couple of ways. One is that it's my main way I engage in prayer with God. Yeah. So I write my prayer. Um, I I do say it out. I do pray out loud sometimes, and like just throughout, like I feel I, there's the kind of saying of like life is a prayer. Yeah. We're always in that posture of prayer. Uh, that's kind of like a whole other podcast. But um, I think that's my main way of praying. Um, it's also a way that I cultivate gratitude, which I think is, is a spiritual discipline in itself. Yes. Is um, So I, I will journal about gratitude. So I'll kind of, I'll write down, I'll write three things I'm grateful for every morning. Uh, and that's really easy to do. That's great. Um but it is forming me and I can feel it forming me because I then read back and I've like I've got so many things to be grateful about and it's framing my mind in a certain way. Yeah. Um and the other thing that journaling allows me to do is it helps me to understand what I'm feeling and what I'm thinking and helps me to better bring those things to God and invite God into those spaces that are confusing and messy and hard. Mm. And helps me kind of decipher it more. Yeah, and name things. Yeah, and Naming I think is powerful. I think God works in me as I'm writing, and even if it is not praying, and it's literally just me writing about my day and how I felt about everything that went on, I think God is working in that, and He puts His finger on things as I write. Yes. And as I write, I suddenly something is revealed to me, and I'm like, "Oh, that's yeah. what I'm feeling." And that's exactly the experience that I have. Mm. But I think you and I are probably really wired that way, completely for that to be. And, and it some people they can't stand it, and no. they sit down and have nothing to write. Yes, yeah. And so then you need to explore other options yeah. for that. For what your what? How are you going to connect with God? And there's some great books available. Mm. Um, the uh, there's a the handbook. The Spiritual Disciplines Handbook is a good one. Mm. Um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster is a good one. And then one that's even more 
Um, yeah, were you going to say the here and turtle? The tortoise. Tortoise. And, what is it? The here and the tortoise. The here and turtle is a really good uh, cafe. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about. Could um, be a good place to go <laughs> to while read. you read the here and the tortoise. <laughs> um, yeah, but some of those things give you some some broader ideas um, and more and yeah, just more creative ideas around how you might be connecting with God and mm. ideas that are completely legitimate. It doesn't have to be that you're sitting there silently praying for no. half an hour every morning. But I think something I've learnt is the journaling is a spiritual discipline and it's really easy for me and it's my natural inclination. So I also need one that is a little bit harder and right. as, as a more upstream yeah. kind of uh, discipline where right. I have to work a little bit harder and I actually it is a discipline because I don't feel like journaling is a discipline. Right. When, I, when you think of the classical word, the yeah. meaning of the word discipline. So Well, discipline comes from disciple. Yeah, so it's teaching true. you. It's teaching you how to live a faithful life. Yeah, and I think that's like, so. You're 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 teaching your heart what to love, which yeah. is what I said. One of the things that um, James Smith says in that book is that as we participate in worship, um, and by worship I don't mean just sung worship, yeah. but a variety of ways of ways of worshiping God. That's kind of our intentional part. That's what we can do. But as we do that, mm. he actually recalibrates our heart. Mm. Um, God does, not James Smith. <laughs> God actually recalibrates our heart and reforms our heart um, to be mm. longing after him. So we do the work, but the Holy Spirit comes along and does the transformation. Yeah. Yeah. And does the, we've got to use our human agency, though. And it's it's I like that more because it's like you're working with God and you know that you'll, it's a partnership. you'll put yeah. something in and he's going to come along and kind of like breathe life into that. Yeah. It's yeah. quite amazing. It is. It mm. is really amazing. Yeah, it makes me quite excited. One of the um, one of the things that I will just um, maybe close with, yeah, yeah, um, is a quote from the Celebration of Discipline, and I've heard this quoted many times, and it's just um, recently been sent to me in a, in a message again, um, where it was really really speaking to someone. But Richard Foster, who wrote this book, I think in the seventies. Yeah, I found it in my grandmother's uh, yeah. bookshelf yeah. from when my granddad was a, past, a Baptist pastor back right. before I was even alive. Yeah, yeah. And before probably my mum was alive. Which wasn't that long ago. Yeah, no. <laughs> I realised as I said that. Before my mum was alive as yes. well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, um, it is, it's an old book, but it's good um, and easy to read. Yeah. Um, but he says, The desperate need today is not for a greater number of intelligent people or gifted people, but for deep people. And I think that I just that just resonates with me. I'm like, Same, yeah, I'm like we oh, just yeah. we need to we need to be actually um, raising our kids for my my any of you guys out there who are listening who have kids, yeah. Um, but also for your age, Grace, like looking at the people that you're leading and the people who mm. are following you and encouraging them to sit and grow and become deep, deep people. people. Yeah, and I hear that, and I go. Oh, I want to be a deep person mm. as well. And we've been given these tools to help us to get there. Mm. So that is basically, that's part of the reason why we're doing this podcast is because there's all these parts of this Christian life that um, can be confusing. We can skim over. We can just hit the surface and not go deep. And there's all these parts of being a woman that are hard and we've got all these questions about. And so we want to address these things, not so that we can get all the answers, but so that we can form lives that are 
being our deep lives and our lives that are longing for the kingdom and our lives that are becoming more like Jesus. Amen. And that's, that's what we're trying to do. So keep listening. Uh, we've got really great stuff coming up in the next few episodes. And make sure that you find us on Facebook and Instagram, neither Mary nor Martha. 